Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. As Jürgen got older, his sleep began to change. Although this is normal, Jürgen didn't know that at the time. And just as he began to pay more attention to sleep, COVID hit work stress increased, and all the places he used to enjoy going to got shut down. Jürgen felt as though insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it were starting to control his life. He felt as though he was losing himself and getting pulled away from the kind of life he wanted to live. This was when we started working together. Ultimately, Jürgen became more willing to experience nighttime wakefulness. He became more accepting of the difficult thoughts and feelings that would show up. Jürgen discovered that as long as he didn't try to battle with all the stuff that was out of his control, he could free up all that energy to do things that would help him live the kind of life he wanted to live instead. The skills Jürgen learned and repeatedly practiced also helped when tinnitus returned after a long absence. Today, Jürgen can notice when he's getting distracted by his thoughts and feelings and is better able to disengage autopilot, bring himself back to the present moment and refocus attention onto the actions he can control. Actions that help him be the kind of person he wants to be and help him live the kind of life he wants to live even in the presence of difficult thoughts and feelings, and even after difficult nights. As a result, all the difficult stuff that is out of his control now has far less of an influence over his life. And he is also sleeping a lot better. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Jürgen. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come onto the podcast. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me and for inviting me. I can't believe I'm on your podcast, after <laughs> having viewed so many of them when I was in the middle of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, you're not the first person to say that. It feels like a journey where you just go full circle, yeah. right? You, you listen yeah. and then eventually, you know, you've made it when you when you come onto the, the podcast yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the circle, not of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's start right at the beginning. Um, when did your sleep problems first begin, and what do you think caused those initial sleep issues? I think it was a combination of things. Um, I think first of all, you know, um, I didn't even realize how sleep would change when I get older. So mm. at that time, I was close to fifty. So. Uh, and, um, in the, in the onset to it, I, I kind of like was kind of starting to think about my sleep more because I said, oh, you know, I only got this many hours or that many hours. And then, so already that was at the end of 2019, already Mm -hmm. starting. And then, uh, at beginning of 2020, I had a health event, nothing big eventually, you know, would think, I had a really bad tooth they couldn't fix, mm-hmm. you know, 
treatments and so on. I had this pain and infection in my head and, you know, you make up stories um, Mm -hmm. about how this, this infection is there and it's gonna, you know, not gonna get fixed and they couldn't fix it after so many hours in the dentist chair. And um, so that was kind of bothering me during that time. Then I had a bunch of work stress and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, which means, um, my outlet was always sports and uh, uh, just swimming mm-hmm. and, when co- and skiing. So I'm in Colorado. And so if once COVID hit, uh, they closed the ski area, they closed the pool. So I was home with my work stress and my health mm-hmm. problems. And um, that's, that's where I started, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I was just saying, man, I'm, I'm going to sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm just ruminating. Uh, I, I didn't have the outlet. I think that was one of the big causes. Yeah. So I think probably you recognized that when you were going through, you know, that initial health health issue, you know, with your with your teeth, your mouth, um, you probably didn't think quite so much was wrong when you experienced some initial sleep disruption at that point, because most of us can recognize when something stressful or unpleasant happens. We yeah. tend to have some difficult nights from time to time um, as a result. What, how did, how did it progress? You know, so how did you go from, you know, oh, this is okay. It's some temporary sleep disruption caused by this to, oh, I think there's something more serious going on here. This seems to be a real problem. Yeah, I, I think it started... So the health problem started in January, the work stress, like many people, the corporations, the companies said then, okay, this is COVID times, pandemic times, all this change, we have to change our story. So I work for a software company, so we had to adjust to how do our customers now want to do business with us, you know, we want to help them, we want to make sure they, they, you know, they change their business on the spot. So how can we help them? So there was a lot of stress at work to kind of make that switch. Um, and, uh, so, so that was going like February, March of 2020, then they, they closed everything. Mm. Um, and then, uh, I think it was April or so I had this one super bad night Mm. where I couldn't sleep and didn't want to keep my wife awake. And so, okay, I sleep downstairs and I didn't sleep at all that whole night. And the next day we wanted to go drive, uh, uh, go on a drive uh, and get something done. But I, I, I had to be fit for that. So, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I said, now I can't even on my free, free day when I should not worry about work, I worry about other things so much. Now I can't sleep. And uh, so that, that was the trigger, this compelling event, I guess, yeah. where I said something's really wrong. Uh, I need to get help. Yeah. Yeah. So what 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 was that sleep disruption like for you? Is it difficulty just falling asleep at the start of the night or kind of maintaining the sleep through the night or maybe maybe a little bit of both? I think mainly falling asleep. Mm-hmm. So it's ruminating um on thoughts and uh getting kind of trying to stay in control mm-hmm. when I kind of trying to control my thoughts um, because I said, oh, now I'm going to think about sleep again. And I'm so tired. I want to sleep. But now this thought comes up again. Don't think about that. And so this trying to be the, conf- the control freak on things. Mm-hmm. As we talked before, right? <laughs> Engineering yeah. background, we are, we are known to analyze problems and trying to find solutions for it. And I couldn't find a solution for it. And trying to find a solution for it, things just progressed to being worse. So I was kind of like, the methods I used to go through life and fix things didn't work. So I was, I need help. I, I don't know where to go from here. Yeah. yeah. So that's, um, no, it's, it's, it's falling asleep. Yeah. Come back to your initial question. Yeah. So you kind of touched upon the fact that you obviously tried lots of things, which everyone listening to this episode is going to be able to identify with, right? Because we have a problem, we want to fix it. So we try lots of different things. What Before we started to work together, um, what kind of things had you tried um, that upon reflection didn't prove to be mm. that helpful? So 
um, initially in the in the early phase before that you know super bad night, I uh, I use sometimes melatonin, and I heard I, I, at that time when we still traveled for business. <laughs> you remember that time? <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I had a lot of also international travel and um, people said, oh, you can use melatonin, you know, it gets you get after, you know, once you get there, uh, you want to catch, you know, an hour or two, it will help you fall asleep. So I had a little bit of experience with that stuff. So um, I used it and initially helped a little bit, but it kind of started not helping after a while. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at that time, due to the stress and that happened, that started before already in 2019 with work-related stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't sleep super great, so I, I drank too much coffee. I, not much to any, you know, but it has to always the, the stronger coffee. You know, it mm-hmm. has to be can't just be a cup of coffee. It has to be one with an espresso shot in it. And and it's not that I drink a whole pot of coffee. You know, I don't like I like coffee, but not that much. But uh, then I have coffee at four or five p.m. And then you know, no, then I don't. I love love beer, so okay. Then you know, to reward myself for the workday, I have a beer or two at night, and then uh, you know, that kind of was a little bit my hobby. So you to so try this and the microbrews and has you know that has you know um, some has a lot of alcohol. You know, some some not a huge drinker. I drank maybe you know, every other day a, a bottle or two or three or whatever. But when mm-hmm. it was three, I thought about are you sliding into some things? I was already thinking about well, three beers at night. That can't be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was already knowing this. and then the whole day with this, the stress at work and then things that interest you, um, you know, around politics and so there's too much on you in terms of stress. Mm-hmm. So I knew something was wrong and I tried to fix it yeah. uh, with, you know, not getting to sleep at night so i kind of have to wake myself up with coffee which doesn't really work and then drink some you know, reward yourself with uh, sit down with a glass of beer or, or two uh at night and that certainly didn't help i knew i didn't want sleeping pills i heard bad things about those before so i never had one ever mm-hmm. in my life but um i did try a few things like that yeah yeah and what about on the like behavioral side of things, did you do, like, did any of your like sleep habits or sleep routines change? Did you find yourself doing things like maybe trying to nap during the day or going to bed earlier or staying in bed later in the day and anything like that to try and like catch, to try and catch or chase that sleep? Good question. Not so much the napper during the day. I don't think that, that, that came up. Frankly, I can't, I don't, I don't remember me napping during the day what what i i did get out of bed and just said oh, i might as well read something you know in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, but in the very beginning i was just lying in bed getting more worried and more worried mm-hmm. and more worried about all kinds of stuff yeah. and you know when covid hit everybody was worrying about how is this what's happening you know where's this going how it's changed our lives and how we go through the day and um my son was six at that time just in school uh and that changed and i would have to have him home and there were so many changes at, at that same point in time with my health problems and i think my abuse of caffeine and alcohol at the same time i just exploded in my face if you will yeah mm. it's just bad timing yeah yeah and yeah. how about did you find that you were making any any changes to your day i mean obviously when covid happened you'd already mentioned there was a lot of stuff that you used to enjoy doing that you just couldn't do anymore um which is kind of out of your control but was there anything that you found yourself doing like to try and maybe compensate for difficult nights were you changing like changing your days around in a bid to kind of protect your sleep or to increase the likelihood of sleep happening the following night Frankly, I, I didn't even know before I met you and I had also a counselor, but what you told me is um, there's, uh, you know, um, you can't control sleep. And I didn't, I was out of ideas. Frankly, Martin, I didn't really do anything else and uh, just kind of like you know, give up and say, I, I need to ask someone for advice. Uh, mm-hmm. What's happening here with me? 
because I know that I knew at that time um, how it affected my days. That one thing that I noticed is I I couldn't be me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, that that loss of control caused me to kind of lose myself. I said, you know, I'm the provider. I'm being the one who's doing the work and providing and, uh, you know, have my role in the family. My family relies on me. So, and and I felt I couldn't fulfill that role anymore because of the lack of sleep. Um, I couldn't be productive anymore. And uh, so that, that losing my, my previous self uh, was kind of that, that shock that happened. And I said, how can I go on if I can't fix it? You know, there was a bit of a desperation as well. Yeah. yeah. So we worked together, you know, for, for eight weeks. Um, but as, as you already touched upon, that was a long time ago. It was about a year and a half ago um, when we were working yeah. together. Um, so since then, you know, you've just been kind of going it alone, flying solo, as I, as I say. Um, yeah. Looking back, at your experience, you know, when we were working together and how you've been doing since then, what do you feel were the issues that kind of made sleep difficult, that kind of perpetuated that sleep disruption? Um, and ultimately, what did you end up doing to address those things? Yeah. Sleep, it's just learning f- from the counselor as well, how to, how to not control my thoughts, but how to look at them in a different way. Mm-hmm. which the thought that I couldn't fall asleep scared me and that created anxiety and that kept me up. So just the learning how the, that mechanism is so different from everything else I've usually, I've, I've ever actually experienced, probably, I couldn't think of anything else, like to let things be, they're good like that um, and not be so hard on myself, um, trying to be the the good person that that succeeds and uh, you know, provides and uh, giving up on that was probably a hard thing, but the thing that turned it around, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, I think that's the the main learning out of it, and it was a process. You helped me through as how how to look at sleep um, in general. So in order to go get sleep you shouldn't care about it which is just the opposite because all I was thinking I you know I try to uh, one thing to come back to what did I do to kind of get my mind off it uh, as well is I just you know I started doing work around the house and kind of going back into the house and you know like at 12 when it was worst in kind of like beginning of May 2020 it was like like a few weeks after that initial bad, super bad night is I wouldn't want to come home because I knew when I was home, that's where the anxiety was. When I was going to the bedroom and see my bed, there was like, oh, now you have to go there again and you know how is this going to end. And so all this anxiety was was building up. So I tried to you know do a lot of work uh, outside, yard work and whatnot, and uh, just to get my mind off it. But in, inside me, I was always thinking about sleep yeah. and um, to let go of that. And, uh, and you taught me some good tricks, I have to say. You wouldn't call them tricks, but these were like things to kind of have me rethink how I see sleep, um, which is kind of tricking my my engineering mind into thinking differently. That was the mm-hmm. first time I think in my long life, I kind of thought about things like that to, to let go of things is the key to to just let it happen you know and some things just happen and you don't have to be in the driver's seat you know um i think that's one of the biggest biggest learnings actually for my life i've i think i told you before you know is i think i lead now a much healthier life because i learned how to let go Mm -hmm. um and not have to fix i read a saying just a few weeks it's you don't have to fix every problem every day. Just fix one <laughs> yeah. and let the others be. Uh, but in our society, I guess, it's like, you know, producing things and solving problems is 
you know is is a, is a value we carry uh but it can be counterproductive as we've seen so yeah absolutely you know i i think really the, the whole struggle with insomnia it does come down to control right it's our yeah. there's a problem we want to fix it in this case you know it would be I'm spending too much time awake at night. I'm feeling anxious. Um, so we put effort into sleep and we put effort yeah. into trying to fight those uncomfortable feelings like anxiety and worry. Um, but the brain is generating all those difficult thoughts and feelings because it's yeah. trying to protect us, right? So it's trying to explore ways to help us out. Um, so it's telling us, look, there's something going on here. We got to fix this. Um, but because those feelings don't feel good, naturally, we want to kind of fight them or avoid them. And that tells the brain yeah. that we're ignoring it. We're not listening. So what does the brain do? It thinks that there's a very real threat here and you're not listening. So it yells even louder. And those those thoughts, and those feelings then become even more intense. Um, yeah. And, and, and I you, just. And, you, and you, you feel the threat, although yeah. it's all in your head. So. Yeah. It's everything's all mind games and your brain's just doing, I guess, what, like you said, what it's programmed to do yeah. to identify a threat and, and point it out to us. Yeah. But that's counterproductive to what our conscious mind wants. Uh, yeah, so. exactly. I mean, the, the brain can't really tell the difference between a real physical threat, you know, like a, a bear yeah. on your bed during the night um, or just a perceived threat, which is being awake at night. Um, yeah. it, it can easily fire up all those same defense mechanisms, you know, the racing heart, the sweats, the chills, whatever, you know, so that whole yeah. fight or flight response. Um, yes. It's no different, but obviously it doesn't feel good and we're trying to push that away and it's coming back even stronger. And that leads to more anxiety and more worry and more sleep difficulties. So, yeah. you know, in my experience, I see that people tend to struggle to put insomnia behind them for as long as we're engaged in that completely understandable and default path of trying to avoid nighttime wakefulness or trying to fight or avoid all those difficult thoughts and feelings and emotions that come with insomnia um, because none of those things are within our control. We just cannot yeah. control what goes on in our minds and we cannot control sleep. Um, yeah. And, you know, you said- It makes yourself, so much sense now. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's, it's just like, wow, that's like, I never thought this would be the solution, you know? Yeah. It's still not really, but it, it is a way to behave and think differently. Yeah. So it, yeah. it isn't, it's just a different kind of solution. Yeah. And it is very different, you know, but because for, I think from birth, we are trained to try and avoid difficult feelings. You know, like when we're babies, as soon as we cry, you know, someone picks us up, soothes us. Don't cry. Don't cry. Um, how many times in our lives are we told to cheer up, to smile, to, 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 to lighten up, you know, to have a sense of humor. We're just bombarded throughout our entire lives, told how we should be feeling. So whenever we don't feel those that way, we immediately think there's something wrong here. We need to fix it. Yeah, this is pursuit of happiness all the time, right? Do we have to be happy today and then tomorrow we wake up and we have to be happy tomorrow and uh, then when it isn't this way for, I mean, the, the main phase for me was three months and I wasn't happy. Was, yeah. uh, there was not much happiness. Uh, um, you taught me to pull out some happiness uh, by, I remember sitting on the porch and uh, seeing and asking you questions and uh, out there I said, why don't you make a bad night? Why don't you reward yourself for a bad night? I said, I can do that. <laughs> I can find a reward for myself for not sleeping well. So there's these things that that you then translated into actions I could take. Because mm -hmm. if you, where I was at the point where I was helpless, I had no tools left. And I think that you find these tools, they're not going to fix it from one day to another, but gives you that little bit of hope and good feeling and happiness. Mm -hmm. um, so when I had a bad night, 
I just got myself a couple of donuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, went to Starbucks and had a great breakfast that my other family didn't have. Mm-hmm. So uh, I rewarded myself with food, I guess. So, but uh, no matter what it was, right. So um, generating these, uh, um, getting out of the, the fear or the, 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 the bad mood once a day and make that, that your new rule. Um, that gave me a little bit of hope that I said, okay, I'm making progress. You know, I might, or the thing that you said, maybe I'm jumping the gun here in, in terms of what you want to ask next, but you know, just thinking about that it's not about how it feels today. It's how it, the long-term development is. Um, it's not that you are not sleeping today. It's about just, just you know, essentially working on the anxiety, you know, just yeah. getting that down. So, and then, you know, you solve the problem in an indirect way, uh, not directly, which I tried to do and failed, utterly failed, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I love that. I love the way you touched upon, you know, that pursuit of happiness, because I think for many of us, if not all of us, um, we consider true happiness to just be that absence of difficulty, the absence of suffering. Um, So as long as we try and eliminate any kind of causes of suffering or any difficult feelings and emotions in that pursuit of happiness, we're going to get kind of get caught up in that struggle. Um, Mm. Happy people can be happy without the absence of difficult thoughts, feelings, emotions, and experiences. Um, it's just the difference, I think, is that happy people, for happy people, they focus on what they can do, what they can control. So they're engaged, more likely to be engaged in actions that they have control over that yeah. help them just continually move toward the kind of life they want to live, even when there's some difficult stuff going on at the same time. And I think that's where, where, the, tra- where the trap is. You know, um, We think that in order to be happy, we've got to get rid of all the bad stuff. That's not yeah. the case. We just need to keep doing the good stuff, maybe adding more of the good stuff. Um, and that, in the end, becomes our focus. And I think that's the true secret to, to happiness. Yeah, because there will always be some suffering in our lives you see yeah. ourselves or somebody else uh some bad stuff happening and uh but we can create those happy moments for ourselves and then be good with it you know you've done this you've got some good times today or if you don't have them today tomorrow is another day so um and uh yeah that constant pursuit of to coming back to the sleep right uh, today didn't work again. I only slept three hours, four mm. hours. Uh, I feel tired today. Uh, I don't feel like myself today. That you, I had, I learned to move on from there and find parts of happiness, even though. And and reca- I said about losing myself in the beginning because I, you know, didn't get the sleep. I didn't feel like myself. Um, regaining parts of that. Uh, okay, after three months, they opened the pool again so I could go swimming. <laughs> that, that helps. So regaining a little bit more of, okay, that's, that's your old identity. That's your old self. That's what you, that you found happiness in. Um, and you could go back to doing some exercise. Uh, we found back, we found back um, also uh, uh, back to spirituality, I have to say. You know, I, I always considered myself a Christian and a believer, but I didn't practice any of this. And uh, maybe COVID helped that too, but I found my way back to that. And that became a new me that there's, you know, somebody else who who is in control and let go. It's kind of the same when I I got back into, you know, going to church and uh, listening to, and getting reading some scripture, you know, I said it talks about being patient in affliction. You know, I said that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be patient in affliction. You have to kind of let go. And you know, if you believe in God or not, you know, it's not about religion. It's about you know, 
you can't control everything. There's, there's other things that you got to let go for a day and just work on it. And sometimes it's not the solution that the way to make yourself better is might not be the direct way you think about it. It might be that path. Not a lot of people go, um, with, with letting go and, uh, you know, being fine with discomfort. When I first read that line, I said, yeah, how can you be fine with discomfort? Um, but that's, you know, I think that's life. You know, there's discomfort everywhere, small yeah. and large. And uh, we kind of have to accept that we are not in control of that. Um, yeah. We're just one person. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's important to like not gloss over this discomfort, you know, because when we're living with insomnia, when we're living with anxiety, it is difficult. You know, we're not trying to trick ourselves. We're not trying to kind of think positive or to distract ourselves from that or to convince ourselves that it's okay. Yeah. All we're really trying to do is to recognize that, yeah, it is difficult. It is challenging. This doesn't feel good, but we just need to focus on what we can control. And we can't control sleep and we can't control those difficult thoughts and yeah. feelings. They are definitely unpleasant. But let's look at what we can do, that we what we do have control over that helps us really just live a life that's aligned with our values, even when all this difficult stuff is still present, you know. So yeah. instead of trying to fight or avoid the anxiety, maybe we just make a little bit of space for it. We acknowledge it's there. So the brain knows that we're listening to it. We're not trying to ignore what the brain is saying. We acknowledge what the brain is saying. We make a little bit of space for all those difficult thoughts and feelings and emotions. And then we kind of shift our attention onto our actions. What can we do now that helps us move toward the kind of life we want to live, even when all this stuff is going on in the background that doesn't feel good? So that comes in, and I'm a total layman about this, right? So I had this counselor who was you know, doing this acceptance therapy, and that, that sounded, what you just said, that sounded like ACT, which I know not much about, but I, he kind of used, used that to, to foster this acceptance of difficult thoughts and then to move on from there. And yeah. then in the beginning, that the sleep thought I was called, it said, which is, Oh, I can't fall asleep. You know, it's not working again today. Uh, this this thought to accept it, to say, oh, hello, welcome, you are here. Yeah. The sleep thought is back. I, I acknowledge it. It's true. I again can't fall asleep tonight. Um, but I'm moving. Thank you for letting me know. Now I'm moving on to, and then they have these body-based exercises, right? Mm -hmm. which, yourself how you lie in bed and stuff like that and then the thought comes again and said oh you're back again hi all right thank you very much again thanks for letting me know and then you go back. and i guess the brain that at some point kind of gives up on showing you that same thought over and over again because you don't react to it i i guess that's how i understood that but it, it helped me deal with those thoughts and not got so scared about it every time, which was the main issue in the beginning. Yeah. And um, so that anxiety lessened over time, over the months. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to let go and uh, it was hard, but you know, yeah. you still did things. I still worked out. I still did my work. Mm -hmm. So I could be me. Although there was this, you know, pain yeah. inside, um, and it was tough. You know, not sugarcoating it, um, but um, it's a tool, and that's what I was yeah. looking for in the beginning. Have a, get a tool because I was out of tools, mm -hmm. and that was a tool I could use, and that gave me kind of safety. Mm -hmm. of, and yeah, uh, you know, I felt I had some level you know, of control how to react to that yeah that situation i found myself in so i felt about it so a way to go about it and then hearing from you is that you know people had success and I give you that hope watch watch your podcast and see how other people were successful with that uh, it's i have to say you know, this is not to be underestimated if people's stories out there that that made it through and i just hope that would be one of those people that make it through and 
I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I like the way you refer to these these actions that you can engage in that you have control over as tools, um, because you know tools don't necessarily solve very a problem. Procedural. Yeah, <laughs> very procedural. Yeah, yes, I mean, programmer. Like, yeah, <laughs> used to be programmer. So has to be program. Yeah, one, exactly. <laughs> and that can be a real benefit, you know. Like tools don't—they're not the solution itself, but they help us. You know, they help us get to that point. You know, they're just, yeah. they just—they help us on our journey. Um, so I always yeah. say, if we implement something, if we implement like a tool from the toolbox, um, if we have a great night of sleep, that's not because the tool worked. That's just because what you've been doing has proven to be helpful. And often it comes down to we're not trying quite so much that night to avoid nighttime wakefulness or to battle with yeah. all the stuff that's going on in our mind. And similarly, if we have a difficult night, it's not because the tools or the techniques or whatever you've done didn't work. It's just because on that night, maybe you were trying a little bit harder to avoid that nighttime wakefulness or you were battling a little bit more with everything going on yeah, in your mind. Right. Um, yeah. It really... It really is helpful to just focus on what we can control. And that's where it it can kind of be an asset. You know, you mentioned oh, my engineer background. I just want, you know, this clear flow chart. If this happens, do this, you know, that's this, do this, do this, do this. <laughs> and that, that can actually end up being an advantage because we can be really tempted to engage in all different kinds of experiments. You know, I'm going to try this, see if it works. Now I'm going to, should I carry on doing that? If we just instead can just kind of make a decision and stick to it, we just give ourselves a clear plan, you know, so we might say, for example, I'm not going to go to bed tonight before such and such a time, like before nine o'clock, because I know that I'm never sleepy before nine o'clock. I'm never falling asleep before nine o'clock. So I'm going to decide, right? Number one, I will not go to bed before nine o'clock. Number two, no matter how the night goes, I'm going to get out of bed to start my day at choose a time, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock, whatever feels good for you, seven o'clock, doesn't matter. But you've just made that decision. You're going to stick with it. One less thing to be thinking about. And there's that promise then once you have a bad night and you get up, was it for me five in the beginning was five. I had 11.30 to 5.30, 11.30 to five or something. I got up at five and I said, I had a bad night. So, but then you said, you know, this will create this sleep pressure mm-hmm. and you're going to have, you should have a better ex- uh, experience the next night. If the next night doesn't work out either in terms of getting a little bit more sleep at some point you will sleep. So that also gave me hope to say, okay, I go that path at some point I will make a step forward. Mm-hmm. So it's always this little bit of piece of happiness I can get following this tool. Yeah. You don't want to use a tool that, said oh it's probably never gonna work so but you said okay there's the sleep pressure so you're at some point your brain will make you sleep no matter what so that was great learning um, as well yeah yeah and that's that's the great thing about allotting an appropriate amount of time for sleep you know because our temptation is to spend lots and lots of time in bed to try and chase sleep to give sleep a good opportunity to happen but that often just leads to more wakefulness during the night and keeps us trapped in that struggle so yeah i was afraid of bed yeah yeah so reducing that time certainly helped yeah yeah and and it also just helps remind us that we can still get sleepy you know we can experience that intense sleepiness um and it reminds us that no matter how difficult things are, sleep will always happen in the end. You know, we will not remain awake indefinitely. We've never lost that ability to sleep. Um, yeah, it, so it was hard sometimes at at nine o'clock, watching TV on the couch. I would be so sleepy. I said, "Oh, I can sleep on that couch, no problem. I fall asleep right now, and I wouldn't have had any problem doing that." Yeah. But I had to wait until thirty. That was that was tough. Yeah, staying awake and then. By the time 11 comes around, that anxiety comes up and boom, I'm awake. Yeah, so, but over time, you know, it helped regulate it. Definitely. Yeah. It gave you, it gave you, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, I forgot, what's the English word? It gave you um, I don't know, a, a route to go on. You know, yeah. you had from A to B, you know, this is what you should do. Um, 
and that gave me some a sense of security. Yeah. You know yeah. what to do, and I know it's going to produce a good result at some point. Uh, and and trust you in that because you know I watch your podcast where other people said it worked for them. Yeah. And um, you know also you know your yeah. professional advice in that. So. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other parts of the plan that sometimes can be quite comforting is you always have that option during the night. You know, if being in bed just really feels awful, really unpleasant, you can always just change that and just do something that you I mean, you're awake anyway. Why not do something that just makes being awake more pleasant? And yeah. that technique also or that tool or whatever you want to call it, the strategy um, is helpful during the day, too. You know, if the day is difficult, um, how about we do something that might make the day a bit more enjoyable? And often that comes back to what our own values are, you know, just living a life or engaging activities that help us move toward the life we want to live. If we can keep doing those things, we're kind of helping to create and maintain good conditions for sleep, but we're also training the brain that it doesn't need to fear being awake at night. There's no real danger or threat there. And we're mm. proving that by spending less time in bed so the brain's like oh wait how can wakefulness be a danger if he's if this guy's spending less time in bed um if we're doing things to make being awake at night more pleasant rather than tossing and turning and fighting and if we're living the kind of life we want to live during the day even after difficult nights the brain yeah. eventually learns that there's no real threat here and that the, the real magic happens when we can drop that battle with with our brains you know yeah. so the brain knows oh this person's taking this seriously they're listening to what i'm saying but also on reflection i'm seeing that being awake at night isn't a threat and so it just starts to get quieter and quieter and quieter until we don't really even notice it anymore and i think i think that's where everyone who's made this kind of transformation that's what that's really what they reflect on the process was yeah. And in the beginning, I didn't know that the brain is there and your and your conscious mind. Is, I didn't know you had to convince your, I'm using improper terms for it. You're talking about the brain had to learn. I, I don't know there were separate things. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, but there's this brain that works on its own terms, yeah. telling you to be anxious. Then you're anxious. You feel it. And you want, why am I anxious? But I am. Yeah. I can, I can feel that that feeling is not very pleasant and um i mean the turning point was when uh, when i go to bed i said i don't have to sleep if i don't if i'm not sleeping i'm not sleeping you know i said i don't have to sleep maybe i just watch shows my wife doesn't want to watch but yeah i can now because i'm not sleeping so there's this positive you know there's an opportunity uh of doing something um valuable to yourself for yourself and uh and I don't care about sleep anymore. That's where yeah. I am. Uh, and that's, I'm getting between last week, I had five and a half hours once, but I know why, you know, why, why I had five and a half hours mm -hmm. because it was you know, a lot of things going on right now with us. Yeah. And uh, so I know why I had only five and a half hours. Yeah. Two days later, I sleep eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, because I know that stress is over and, but I don't care anymore about it. And when you're in it, that's all you care about is sleep. Yeah. The, the worst day it was, it was 1130 and I already was worried about sleep. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, that's the stage you are in. And uh, so that's not starting, not caring about sleep is easy to say when you're out of it, because at some point you usually get I usually get six to seven, seven fifteen, or something like mm -hmm. that. So I still know how long I sleep, but I really don't care about it. So, yeah, and I think uh, that's the key difference. Yeah. Um, we're always going to have some difficult nights, just as you know we touched upon before. The real secret to happiness isn't the elimination of everything that's difficult in our lives. So we're yeah. always going to have some difficult nights of sleep from time to time. What's different is our reaction to it, how we interpret the meaning of that difficult night. Um, and anyone that's listened to a few of these podcast episodes will probably recognize that common trait is, yeah, I still have some difficult nights from time to time, but I really don't care about them that much. You know, they don't consume 
my days. Um, I don't start to worry about what the next night will bring. Um, it's just our relationship with those difficult nights and whatever the brain might want to generate in response is completely yeah, when I'm at, at that stage right now, when I have a bad night, I know I'm going to be groggy in the morning, but come 10, 11, I'm, I'm woken up yes, and I'm in, I'm going about my day. So it doesn't, when you're in it, then you always think about it most of the time and uh, it affects your day. And when I had a bad, when I have a bad night now, I typically know why it, it was shorter and mm -hmm. I don't care anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. because I know sleep pressure builds, like you told me. So the next night or the night after that, I'm just going to be uh, sleeping longer again. So yeah, yeah, that not making it the middle, the, the center of your life is, I think the, out, the most important outcome to not um, putting at the center of life and being able to just accept when there's a shorter night. And yeah. typically I can tell why too. Yeah. So, you know, moving on, when we, when we were no longer working together, um, you told me that you ended up developing tinnitus and understandably, you know, that generated some concern when your brain was looking out for you again. So there were some anxious thoughts and feelings there. Um, and before we recorded this episode, you said that insomnia and tinnitus tend to share that similar trait. You know, they both tend to survive and thrive when we remain anxious about them. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, I'm no tinnitus expert, but I'm sure that some people listening might recognize that. So I'd love to, love to hear some yeah. of your thoughts. So I had experience with tinnitus before, like almost 20 years ago, mm -hmm. loud concert and stress and so on. So I developed this ring in the ear. And uh, back then I went through a therapy called tinnitus retraining. So anyone who has tinnitus should look at that. Um, and uh, so I got tinnitus back and it was the time where I was just getting better with getting off insomnia. I was sleeping better. Then comes tinnitus. Modern, I was devastated mm -hmm. because they, as you said, they share traits of anxiety. And uh, when you get tinnitus, the thing that you develop is anxiety about how it affects your life, your yeah. day, you as a person, you try to, you, know, you start to think about you can't do certain things anymore um, because you have that noise in your head and uh, nobody else can see it. It's like with insomnia, uh, you can't see it by looking at a person that they have it. Um, and then come the sleep worries again, because when you have tinnitus, you have that, that noise in your head, it affects your sleep, right? How can you sleep? First of all, you develop anxiety and then you have, there's a noise there. And uh, I knew that this TRT, this retraining therapy helped me before, but I also knew it was a long-term process. Mm -hmm. um, it took me a year last time. Um, to get to get through it where it wouldn't affect me anymore and it would be much quieter and um but at the time when that onset happened these feelings came up again when we're going to be sleeping again but what i found going through is while well, i still getting out of insomnia when we had stopped working together so i was good on insomnia but then it kind of the sleeplessness came back because of tinnitus and i thought okay now these Two problems are going to combine forces and I'm never going to sleep again. I remember mm -hmm. uh, being totally devastated about it. What I found out is you can only be anxious about one thing at a time. So um, being me being anxious about tinnitus kept out the anxiety of insomnia, um, the deep down trying to control sleep because I knew how to not control sleep uh, to, uh, you know, to just let it go. I still knew that it was just, you know, that's very present in my mind. Um, and I knew how to treat in TRT. So with TRT, I knew how to treat tinnitus with sound therapy and they have some CBT stuff as well. So it's a little bit similar treatment like um, insomnia. And uh, so um, that kind of, um, after those first initial weeks, I had my tool set for tinnitus I had my tool set for insomnia. It's just a little bit more tools <laughs> yeah. than maybe I wanted, but I, I, the, the focus was on the, the, the retraining therapy for tinnitus, uh, not so much on insomnia, but doing the one helped the other. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially I never 
experience insomnia to that same degree when I had tinnitus to the same degree when before I, I, I had it again. Yeah. Um, so that was the lucky outcome. But in sense of therapy, it shares quite a few traits, you know, what the therapy does um, to reduce the goal is not to reduce the sound in your head. It's the ringing in your head. It's to reduce anxiety. So that's, I said, oh yeah, that's what insomnia, insomnia was about not how you slept, but how anxious you were, you know, and there's always the next day. And with tinnitus, they have ups and downs. Uh, it's louder, it's quieter, but over time you make progress. And, uh, you know, I still have those ups and downs with tinnitus as well. And uh, those, um, you know, then I can think back about what I learned also with insomnia to say, okay, Today is not the best day, but I remember two days ago, I had a fantastic day uh, and I can take that as, okay, you have your tools, you keep going where you're going. Um, so um, it's tough, you know, being faced with that, but the tools are very similar. Also the acceptance of thoughts, of negative thoughts and accepting those. And as I said before, being patient with yourself and being kind to yourself in affliction Mm-hmm. those things i learned when i went through insomnia test yeah. uh, i think as i said before i think I, I live a much healthier life now uh also not so much drinking anymore <laughs> uh not because i think i um uh, that essentially i i still like I still like i'm german right so i still like beer right so but it's not such a big deal anymore I, and i don't want to use it anymore as a crutch. You know. yeah. I still have it. I still drink coffee, just not so crazy anymore. So, and I'm more compassionate with myself. So putting that pressure on myself to do the right thing and to be the productive person, I stepped away from that. And uh, you know, I should at least other people go through lives in a much more relaxed way than I did. Yeah. And they're happy too. So I can now see other people living living another life than I did, trying to be this high performer in the corporate world. Um, there are other things to life. And I, I learned to, to see that and accept that. Yeah. yeah I, I think it really can be this journey of self-discovery, right? I, I yeah, mean, it's, it's hard to see any kind of advantage or any kind of silver lining to insomnia and anxiety when you're really caught up in the middle of it all. But when you get to that point where you're able to emerge from it, it can be it can be this sensation or this sense that I've learned something about myself here. You know, like you just yeah. you touched upon, I, I learned that I can maybe be kinder to myself, you know, when I'm going through difficulties. Um, and a lot of people also tell me that they're now more in touch with their values. You know, the things that are important to them that they have control over, these are things we never lose. You know, we never lose control of our actions. We can always do things, no matter how small, that help us kind of move toward the kind of life we want to live. And when people emerge from this journey, um, it, it, it can be, you know, this reflection that we've learned a lot about ourselves. And now we might even be able to live our lives in a more enriching way than we would ever have had insomnia, had anxiety never played a role or an influence in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a weird way. It's a tough way to learn to lead a better life. Yeah. It's a tough way to learn it, but I guess it was time for me to learn it yeah. <laughs> uh, because yeah. I, I knew I wasn't heading down in a good direction. There was yeah. too much heady things on me. I tried to fix it with things I knew weren't good for me. And um, to learn, you know, as a technical person, you know, I live in reality and all this, you know, if, if I don't see it, it's not real. A lot of things we don't see that are real. And uh, I certainly see that now. And I touched on spirituality before. I always was kind of spiritual, but um, there are many things between heaven and earth we have no control over. And we don't know how those work. And uh, as you said, you know, there's the brain of yours and there's your conscious actions and uh, that those are two separate on your mind and your, I don't know if you're using the right terms, but there's a separation yeah. um, of the brain that's on, that's on, uh, on automatic. It does what it does 
uh, how it's programmed and it can go into a rabbit hole that makes you feel worse in your in your how you consciously lead your life yeah. and you can't reprogram that brain just by flipping a switch it has to learn a new as a program a new piece of code yeah, yeah. so the my brain had to learn a new piece of code um but but it takes some time you have to be compassionate with yourself so um so a lot of learning uh, that came out of it. And it's, you know, looking back, it's always easy. Right? When you're in it, it's, you have to be a more tactical and you need those tools. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I wouldn't say insomnia was a great experience, but um, going, learning how to deal with difficulty like that uh, is something I, that's the positive thing I take away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jürgen, I really appreciate the time that you've given up to yes, come on. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that people are going to get a lot of value out of what we've discussed. Um, the way you've described things is just really it's, it's so easy to identify with everything that you've described. Um, but I do have one last question for you before you go, if that's okay. And it's it's this. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and feels as though they've tried everything, that they're beyond help, they just can't do anything to improve their sleep, what would you tell them? I think first of all is listen to other people's story. Listen to mine and listen to all the other ones, Martin, that you put out. Uh, because also with tinnitus, um, a lot of people don't know there's a there's a way to reduce it and more or less get rid of it if you will because you don't like within some with sleep problems you know you don't think about them anymore you can get to that point and then it's not a problem anymore in your life because you, you dealt with it so I think the f first step to give you hope and um, that there's that you can get get better can get back back to your own self to listening to other people's stories everybody had a little bit different journey and that's what mm -hmm. i really appreciated if you're putting out uh stories of of, of other insomnia sufferers uh i said you know how did they go through that journey because when you're first faced with it you have there's no door you can go through and suddenly you hear other people talk about it well that's the door i went through and that's the path i went and that's the door you you know this person went through and at some point there's some people you don't you said okay they come from a different place but you find other people said oh yeah he or she that that's kind of like me and yeah. uh you know, giving you that 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 success story um is, is is very important as a as a first step to say there is a is a way for you to go as well it might be a way no other one went ever before but uh, there is one for you as well. So uh, if that's the one thing, I would say, listen to uh, all these stories, the good stories that are out there. Uh, people have gone through that before and be compassionate with yourself. Um, it will take the time it'll take, but um, you'll, you'll get better, but step by step. So we have to be patient with ourselves. Well, that's great. I think that's a really positive note to end on. Um, so thank you again, Jürgen, for coming up to the podcast and sharing your journey with us. Yeah, thanks, Martin, for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course, or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult, and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients. Or 
you can choose to add one-on-one -on -one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. With the one-on-one -on -one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep. <laughs>